Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Well, why? Well, first of all, they were highly trained. These are highly trained soldiers. They knew exactly what their jobs were. And they knew exactly how to lock those shields together tight so that no one can penetrate that defense. And of course, it goes without saying, each man was willing to die for the man next to him. They say sometimes the best offense is a great defense, as I think my Buccaneers just proved in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, they had some Tom Brady guy, but that defense, let me tell you. But I believe the same goes for spiritual warfare in the church. When we realize we are in danger, all of us, we're in danger from sin in our personal lives and that we have a common enemy. Each and every one of us has a common enemy and that should be willing to make us unite together. It makes sense, right? We too can be a lethal force against sin that wars against us each and every day. This is exactly what Paul describes um, in our text this morning. Uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to view sin. View sin in our own lives and especially how we view sin in other people's lives. We must not bicker and war against each other. But unite together as those Spartans did, willing to sacrifice and willing to fight for each other to be willing to do whatever it takes to protect the person next to you. And that's exactly why this, the title of today's sermon is Sinners United in Battle. We remember that we're all sinners. We all have a common enemy, so therefore we must be united in this effort against our enemy. Last week, Pastor Matt preached about this inner battle that rages inside of us in his uh, in his sermon, Walking by the Spirit. And in his sermon, he taught us how by walking closely with the Holy Spirit, we can start to produce the fruits of the Spirit that helps combat the sin in our own personal lives. Well, today, Paul's bringing that battle outside, outside our personal needs to address how we need to view this in the church. How we need to view sin, not only, again, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of our sisters and brothers in Christ. And there is certainly a right way and a wrong way to view this. Let's get into our text this morning. We'll be in Galatians 6, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read these six verses, and you can follow along or read in your Bibles or on your phones. Starting in verse 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. If we were to take these six verses and we were to boil them down into one main idea, we would get this. When we unite in the love of Christ, 
we can have victory over sin. When we, as Christians, as believers, unite in the love of Christ, we can have victory over sin. Now, we must remember, sin's not going to totally be conquered on this planet. It's something that's never going to stop attacking. Understand that, church. It is never going to stop its advance towards us. But as we bind together, we can have great victories in, over it in our lives every single day. Let's break these verses down to see why that's true. Going back to our first three verses, there is a right way, there's a correct way to view sin in our lives. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So let's look at the first verse. So if someone's caught in sin, that doesn't mean that, oh, I just caught you doing something wrong, or they were caught doing something wrong. It literally means, translated here, they are caught, they are trapped in sin. There's something that happened that they are, sin has got a hold of them, and they are trapped in sin. So if someone was trapped, what should we do? We should rescue them, right? Right? Hey, there you are. So we have an elite force that, is, that, is, that we can use to rescue those who are trapped in sin. And Paul set, calls them those who are spiritual. So who are those that are spiritual? Those who are spiritual understand, first of all, that sin happens. Listen, sin happens. And that's not taking sin lightly, but we have to understand sin is going to happen because we're human. It's with the understanding that, listen, people will sin against you, you will sin against people, and eventually, at some point, we will all together sin against God. It should not be such a surprise when it happens. So we need to rescue these people, but when we do this, we should do it with gentleness, kindness, and love. When, when we go to somebody because they have sinned or, or it, you know, there's an apparent sin where we have to deal with that, it's always done in the mindset that we're there to restore our brother or sister, not to destroy our brother and sister. Spiritual people know also that they much, must watch out lest they are tempted themselves. We are all one bad decision away from sinning ourselves. That should keep us humble. That's why Paul says we must, in verse 2, we must bear one another's burdens. It is important that we're, we're united in the effort of bearing one another's burdens. We must bear each other's burdens in this fight against sin. And this is done best when we're accountable to each other. When we're willing to be understanding, when we're willing to help each other, that's the, that's the heart, that's the mindset of, of, of that attitude. I was uh, the family slash uh, youth pastor in a church for many, many years, and unfortunately, 
one of the toughest part of my jobs was to counsel people and help them deal with sin. Now, whether this was people that offended each other and, and, and we knew there was an issue, or whether someone was just obviously living in open sin and it couldn't be ignored anymore, so we had to sit down with them and, and have those hard meetings. I am talking about some hard stuff, church. I'm talking about family-splitting stuff. I'm talking about church-splitting stuff. Things that are hard and things that are messy. But you know what I found? I found that there's nothing that can't be overcome by two Christians that hold this attitude. That two Christians that are, are, are... they're willing to bear each other's burdens, to be understanding, to be accountable to each other, to do the things that the Bible calls us to do. And why is this so effective? Well, it says it at the end of verse 2 right there. We're, do, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. We are liter, literally fulfilling the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? He gave it to his disciples the night before he died. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved us? Sacrificially? Unconditionally? He died to save us. Jesus commands you to love your brother and sister in the same way. Brings us to our first point. Sinners saved by Jesus will help to bear one another's burdens. Sinners, and I use that word not loosely, but we are all sinners saved by Jesus, and we should help bear one another's burdens. We remember as sinners, we're all in the same battle, and our focus, our true enemy, is not our brother and sister, it's sin. And we're to support one another in this fight. And it's so easy to say why, and it's because the gospel. Because when I was, when I rebelled against God, and I realized that, there was forgiveness, there was grace, and there was mercy. That is how we need to love each other. We should feel the need to help each other, but we must be careful how, as Paul explains in the next three verses. He says, for if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So those who think they're better than somebody else, maybe because that other person's dealing with a sin that you would never do. So you look down on them. Paul says this morning, you're, de- you're deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself. And when you look down on somebody because of their sin, you're making yourself susceptible to something which is pride. In, in, in fact, in two ways, this is very destructive. First of all, as the Bible says, pride comes before the fall. You will miss the sin in your own life. When you're focused on looking down at somebody because of the sin in their life, you will miss yourself maybe even being entrenched in the same sin that you're judging them for. Think of it this way, church. Pride equals ignoring your blind spot. 
Second, your pride will render you useless to help your brother or sister with their sin. You cannot do that in pride. In pride, you will not come to this situation with humility. You will do more harm than good. Also known as shooting the wounded. It's a term that Christians throw around sometimes, where we seem to be the only group in the world that shoot our wounded instead of sending out a rescue mission. So Paul says before you do this, before you're willing to you know, look down on somebody else or judge someone for your, their, own, their sin, you should probably do some things here. He, first thing he says is test your own work, he says in verse 4. Now, this isn't work for salvation. We know we're saved by grace, and there's nothing that we could do to earn salvation. What he's saying is the works we do to grow closer to Jesus, to make ourselves more like Jesus, like reading God's word and studying it, like praying, like battling sin in our own lives, as Pastor Matt preached last week. I mean, really, if you think about it, how can we help someone deal with their sin in their life if we're not even dealing with the sin in our lives? How are we supposed to grow without some kind of self-reflection, without testing ourselves? Church, these are very, very healthy things that promotes healthy growth. If we do this, Paul says, we will, we will have reason to boast in ourselves. Now, let me explain this. He's not saying that we should go around boasting about our accomplishments. What the idea he's trying to convey here is that we will be so confident in our own walk with Christ, we won't be comparing ourselves to others. We'll be so focused on our own walk and, and, and not saying, hey, we're better than that person. We'll be so focused and confident we won't be comparing ourselves to the next Christian brother or sister. And if you really want some humble pie there, we're never supposed to compare ourselves to other human beings. When we're looking at our walk, we're supposed to, to compare ourselves to Christ. So good luck with that. Then he ends this, uh, this little chunk here with, for each will have to bear his own load. Now, what is he talking about? Before he was saying we must bear each other's burdens. Now he's saying for each will have to bear his own load. He's not talking about works or down here as far as bearing your own load. He's talking about the end game. At some point, all of us will be bowing before Christ. We'll be bowing before Christ. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So at some point, all human beings will be there. Now, as believers, we're not going to be judged by our sin. That was taken care of on the cross, amen? amen. But what we have accomplished with the salvation and the grace that God has bestowed on us, that will be our responsibility. What have you used, your salvation, your faith, and God's grace and mercy that he gives you every day, what have you used that for? Have you used that to grow, and have you used that to help others? It brings us to our second point. When we think we're holier than thou, we stunt our growth and our ability to help others. When our pride gets a hold of us, we completely stunt our own 
growth as Christians, and we make ourselves inept at helping anybody else. This is why we need to realize, church, sin happens. We are all capable of it. But with the right attitude, we can all battle it together. Imagine this, if you will. If you can, could confess your deepest, darkest sin to a Christian friend in confidence, fully knowing that they would not judge you, but that they would pray for you and they would fight for you. I don't think that sin would stand a chance. And then, hmm, that kind of sounds like the, fulfilling the law of Christ, loving each other as Jesus loves us. It reminds us of our main idea. When we unite in the love of Christ, we can have victory over sin. When we unite together under the love of Christ, under the power of Christ as well, we can have victory over sin. Just like those Spartans locking together, they have great um, strategies and gear. When we come in together and we lock together, we have the power and the strength of Christ. Tell me, church, what is more powerful than that in this entire universe? So we don't really have a very good excuse. We must unite and especially back our spiritual leaders. Look what Paul says in our final verse, verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Share all good things. He's not talking about just material things. I mean, a laborer is worth his wage, but spiritual things. And he's saying, so those, those who are taught, meaning you, those who are taught the word, you are to make sure that you're supporting your spiritual leaders. You're encouraging them and making sure they have every resource available to further the message of the gospel. They who are taught, meaning you who are taught the word, are to support your leaders spiritually and emotionally, especially when they have to enact something like church discipline, which I just described to you can be very messy. It can be very difficult. But if done correctly, is a rescue mission that will save people from destroying their own lives and the, the life of our fellowship. Brings us to our third point. We must support those who guide us in our spiritual lives. It doesn't matter who it is. Anyone that, that you find spiritual enough that you recognize them as an authority over you that are, is guiding you, you must support them. Your support is vital. And, and I, what I'm saying here is it has to be more than just a spiritual cheerleader. It has to be more than, oh, you know, you guys are doing a great job. Pat on the back. Awesome. I'm talking about trusting your leadership and having your church leaders' backs. And I can tell you, the leaders of this church will work very hard to try to earn that trust. We know that's not a trust that's just freely given. And we will work very hard to earn that trust whether it's a ministry leader, a teacher, an elder in this church, or one of the pastors, we need you to lock shields with us together so we can battle together. 
we must have your support. As I wrap these up, I want us to remember this, this idea as we go over our points. We have to remember, as Christ followers, we must be willing to recognize sin in our lives and in the lives of others. But we have to see it for what it is. Sin is the enemy. Sin destroys lives. Sin separates us from the love of God. And we must be willing to deal with it together. We can't just go around sweeping it under the rug, but we have to have the idea, the mindset, that it has to be done together in the love of Christ. We remember our first point. We're all on the same fight, guys. We are all on the same side. Sinners saved by Jesus will help to bear one another's sins. When we realize we are all sinners that desperately need Jesus, we're all in the same fight, we will see that we're, we, we have to band together. It's vital. We must band together. But also, we don't just take sin lightly because just because your sin isn't quite as bad as the guy next to you doesn't make it small to Jesus. I don't care how big your sins are. But for every single one of them that we've committed, Jesus suffered greatly to pay for it. But he showed you grace and mercy when you didn't deserve it. Then we extend that same grace and mercy to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? And by doing that, we fulfill the law of Christ, which again is the heart of the gospel. Remember our second point, pride is always wrong. You start out anything with pride, just, just stop. Just stop. Whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to say is wrong. When we think we're holier than thou, we stunt our growth and the ability to help others. And I say just stop like it's easy, right? It's not. It's something that I fail at all the time. But then I remember something like this. Pride is the reason why Satan got kicked out of heaven. Think about that. Pride is the same thing that caused Adam and Eve to eat the fruit and rebel against God. It's evil and it's the most destructive thing that could be in a Christian's life. Pride will make you think you know better than God. And if you think I'm kidding, you ever think, Psh, I don't need to change, that's just the way that I am all while looking at someone going, wow, they really need to change that behavior. These are things that are contrary to what God's word teaches us. We should try to be more like Jesus every day, amen? We should try to remove sin from our life, but we have to extend the same grace and mercy that God shows us every single day. Our pride will also stop us from doing this last thing, as I call Mike up. Our pride will most definitely keep us from doing this very last thing, and that is respecting and supporting those God has placed over us in authority. We must support those who guide us in our spiritual lives. You remember those who are spiritual that Paul talked about in the earlier verses? Well, it should be especially, especially your spiritual leaders, amen? Because if you're leading people spiritually, you better be spiritual. 
but they not only teach us the word, but they guide us in our spiritual lives. How important is that? They are also the ones who help rescue those who are trapped in sin. Here at Villa's Grace, we try to do our very best in dealing with confrontation and sin, and we do it by the book. And of course, I mean this book of books here. We try to do things the Matthew 18 way as it pertains to offense against Christians. We try to do it you know, from the Matthew 7 way that pertains to helping our brothers and our, sister, our sisters with their sin. So we're going to go ahead and read those two chapters. No, I'm just kidding. Go home and read those two chapters. That's Matthew 18 and Matthew 7. It will tell you how to deal with things in a healthy manner, God's way. It's always perplexing to me when I see Christians in, you know, locked in these battles and, and they're doing their best, but they act like they've never heard this before or they've never read God's word on how to deal with, with someone who offends you or how to help someone with sin in their life. It's like it's foreign. We want to do things God's way. We're dealing with these things with humility, with understanding, with love, and with grace. We strive to do the, those things in this church. Please be open to it and support your leadership for trying to do things God's way. Amen? That didn't sound very supportive. Thank you. It reminds us of our main idea. When we unite in the love of Christ, we can have victory over sin. We have to stop battling each other and come together and see the true enemy for what it is. Because when, when Satan or the things of this world sees Christians tearing each other apart, attacking each other, they sit back and they laugh. It would be no different than the enemy trying to penetrate that Spartan defense. And one of the guys that are supposed to be locked in holding that shield puts his shield down to start bickering at somebody, allowing the enemy to penetrate. It is literally no different. Let's pray. Dear Father, your word says Christians will be known by their love for each other. Help us to do it your way. It will not be easy, and Lord, we will mess it up sometimes, but let us form an impenetrable defense against sin in our own lives by uniting together in your love. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. Dot com.